Hey there, good morning. Welcome to Arthur Pentecostal Assembly. My name is Roy and I'm the lead pastor here and we're glad you've joined us today for our Sunday service, our online service. Well, we're into a series that we've called All In and uh, have you ever done something sort of crazy? So not, not crazy, just as like just crazy, but as in thrilling or, or sort of daredevil for the adrenaline rush. Have you ever done something like that? You know, maybe it was bungee jumping or maybe you went skydiving. In either of these activities, there comes this point where you either need to go all in or not go at all. When you're thousands of feet in the air in an airplane, you've got a parachute on, you're standing at the edge of the plane, you either jump or you don't. You're either committed to the plunge or you're not. There's no such thing as a lukewarm skydiver. I mean, I've never bungee jumped per se, but a long time ago, my wife Jen and I, we were at Canada's Wonderland, and there's this ride called the Extreme Flyer. And you, it basically is like a bungee drop type thing. They put you in this harness. So we went together as a, as a pair. They put us in this harness where we lie flat out. We put our arms out, almost like a Superman position. And then they lift you into the air. You're both in this position like this, and they raise you up into the air. They raise you 153 feet up into the air. And when they let you go, you go flying down, almost like, like you're Superman, flying out over the crowd, and you kind of swing there back and forth. Well, as they were raising us, we were getting bigger, we're getting higher and higher away from the, over the crowd. And it's a little nerve wracking. You don't realize how high you actually are going to go. And they gave me the ripcord. They told me that, you know, as soon as we give you the signal, you can, you can choose when you pull the ripcord and when you get to go. It's in that moment when they're like, okay, three, two, one, go. And you get the control. Either you're all in or you're not. There's, there's no half committed bungee jumper. You can't be half committed at this point. Well, last week we began this series called All In, where we talked about how the world needs a church that is fully committed, ready to give everything for the mission. That, that a church that is lukewarm or going through the motions is irrelevant, is ineffective, and is actually downright worthless. We have to make a decision. Are we all in or are we not? Because to say you're all in, but just for the, for the appearance of it, what that does is it makes you a hypocrite. We, we learned last week that hypocrite is the, the Greek word for an actor, somebody that puts on a mask and plays a role. Well, this hip, the word hypocrite was a stinging word that Jesus used to describe the Pharisees, or the religious elite, and something that he warned his disciples from becoming. Do not become a hypocrite. Do not allow that into you. He warns you and I the same. He, he, he wants us to be all in authentic followers of Jesus that are 100% committed to trying here on earth to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't mess up from time to time. In fact, Jesus would rather a bunch of followers that mess up once in a while, but they're fully committed and they're fully in than those that are half-hearted actors that appear to never make a mistake. And so this year, I would love to see you get to a point in your faith where, where you're dangling 153 feet in the air in your faith. And you're terrified that what happens when you pull the ripcord. Because at that moment, you lose control. At that moment, you, you, you don't know what the journey ahead is, but, it, but Jesus promises it will be thrilling. Because the alternative is this. The alternative is to say, let me down. 
I want to go back to the ground. I want to go back to where it's comfortable, to where I have control. I, I don't hope that for you. Because maybe, But maybe you like where you are. Maybe you're the person, type of person who loves comfort, who loves to control all the variables around you. I understand that going all in, it, it can be a scary proposition. You know, they've done studies and they've tracked people over the years and they've discovered that fear increases with age. Because sometimes the, the problem with going all in is we're afraid. We're not, we, we know what's going to happen. We, we, we can predict what our day is going to look like and, and we're afraid of the unknown. And they say it's interesting that, they, that this study would say that as you get older, you, you, your, your fear increases. You would think that as you got older and wiser, the fear would play less and less of a role in your life. That we become smarter, that we become wiser. Now come to think of it, like I don't remember seeing anybody in that extreme Skyflyer line that looked like they were a grandparent. Just a bunch of young people like, yeah! But maybe that was just pure wisdom, actually. But as we get older, we care more about our comfort. We care more about our security. We care more about our stuff and we care more about our possessions. Jesus in Luke chapter 12, he, he comes upon this crowd and we, we this is picking up from where we were last, last week. He comes across this really large crowd that's been following him. And he's just talked to the disciples about this trap of hypocrisy. He warns them that it's one of the snares that will keep them from going all in. Well, now he addresses another one of those. Our possessions and our possessiveness of our possessions. And he's not too far into this talk when this man appears on the scene that gets Jesus' attention. Now, up to this point, the disciples, who often act as a buffer for Jesus, they're likely swamped with requests for healings and, 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 and teachings and, and the supernatural. But then along comes this man who yells out, Jesus! And it says in verse 13, Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Now, on a basic level, this sounds like the type of argument that you as a parent maybe have to mediate, or you as a, a student, maybe you have these type of arguments with your brothers or sisters. It's all about sharing. I mean, siblings by nature don't really do that well with sharing. I, I remember at times as a kid, uh, my mom would sit down, would set down our, our lunch and, and she'd put down our juice cups and for whatever reason, we would always be comparing each other's juice cups and like, you've got like a quarter of a centimeter more juice than I do. That's not fair. That, that type of juvenile argument. Well, we're used to those as kids, but unfortunately, it doesn't always get better as adults. My wife, who's been in banking for close to 15 years, she's seen some of these same types of fights, but it's over their parents' estate or over their will after they pass away and those, those fights can get nasty. When money is involved, people can lose their civility. Relationships are ruined forever. And this is the type of disagreement that this man and his brother are having, except in this culture, the firstborn son had the birthright, and with that, the inheritance that followed. And so Jesus, being a rabbi, he was technically he was able to settle any issues when it came to disputes amongst family. So it's not so outlandish that this man would come to Jesus, him being a rabbi. And there were situations where the younger child did have some rights to get some of that inheritance. 
So he's not totally off base. But if you have a rabbi that is different than any other rabbi, that people are coming from miles around to see this rabbi heal people, that his teaching is on a different level than anybody else, and people are clamoring just to get close to him, and this guy pushes through the crowd to have Jesus settle his family dispute. And not just dispute, he's, he's trying to get his. He's trying to get what he feels he's owed. So his top priority in this whole thing is getting the, getting Jesus' attention to, to, to side with him over something he feels like he's, he's supposed to get his stuff. And ba- basically, Jesus shuts him down in verse 14 and says this. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Now, in 2021 language, it would be more like, Dude, are you serious right now? That's not why I'm here. That's not my mandate. But Jesus takes this opportunity with his disciples to use this man's greed as a learning opportunity. And he says to them, verse 15, Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. See, Jesus makes this this point to his boys. He says, guys, I know that you don't know what lies ahead in the days to come, but one day I'm going to be gone. But pay attention because the things that I'm showing you right now are going to be so crucial. I need you guys to be the the catalyst to change the world. And this mission is so big and the costs are so high, but I need you to pay attention. If you're going to reach the world for me, you need to be in 100%. Hypocrisy will trip you up. Not only will it trip you up, but there will be people who are watching you. And if you call yourself a follower of mine and you just put on a show, if you just put on an act, it will not only trip you up, it will trip them up. But another of these things that will keep you from fully entering in is this need for stuff, this love of possessions, this love of wealth. Beware, he says. Guard. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Leo Tolstoy once wrote a story about this successful peasant farmer who was not satisfied with what he had in life. He wanted more of everything. One day he received this offer he just could not refuse. For 1,000 rubles, he could buy all the land that he could walk around in one day. The only catch was this. He had to be back at his starting point by sundown. Early the next morning, he set out and he started walking, walking at a really fast pace. By midday, he was incredibly tired, but he kept going, covering more and more ground. Well, into the afternoon, he realized that his greed had taken him so far that he wasn't sure that he'd ever be able to get back to his starting point in time. So he quickened his pace. And as the sun began to sink low in the sky, he began to run, knowing that if he, d- he did not get to the, the finish line, he would not become the massive land o- landowner that he thought he was going to be. Gasping for breath, his heart pounding, he saw the finish line, and he started running with everything he had, and he staggered across the line just before the sun disappeared. He immediately collapsed. Blood streaming from his mouth. In a few minutes, he was dead. 
Afterwards, his servants dug a grave. It was not much over six feet by three feet wide. The title of Tolstoy's story was, How Much Land Does a Man Need? See, this desire for more can consume you. It can consume you so much that it becomes more important than the mission that God has put on your heart. Jesus would say, if you're going to be all in, you need to be aware of this desire that you have for more possessions. You need to be aware. You need, you, you can be consumed by it and not even realize it. Last week, I don't know how many of you watched the Super Bowl was on. It's a huge event, huge, huge event. So big. In fact, some of you maybe even watched the Super Bowl and you don't even like football. But maybe some of you watched it for different reasons. Maybe because everybody else was watching it. Maybe you watched it for the football. Maybe, maybe you actually cared who was going to win. Was it going to be the Buccaneers or the Chiefs? Would it be Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes? Who was going to win? For some of you, you don't care about the football part, but you love the halftime show. You love the musical part of it. I napped during the halftime show. For others of you, you don't care about the game. You really don't care about the halftime show, but you love the commercials because the advertisers go all out for their Super Bowl commercials. Advertisers spent $5.5 million just to get a 30-second spot during the Super Bowl. Why would they spend that much money, $5.5 million? Well, the reason why they do is because they know, A, the Super Bowl has a massive audience. They're going to see so many people are going to see their, their ad. But the other part is this. If they can convince you in 30 seconds that you need more in your life, that your life is somehow incomplete without their product, then $5.5 million is just a drop in the bucket of what they will make. And so Jesus warns them of this trap. In fact, if you read through the Bible, you will see warning after warning in many places. Proverb after proverb talks about this trap of money and wealth. And make no mistake, There's nothing wrong with having money and there's nothing wrong with having things. The problem is when the things and the money have you. The Apostle Paul would dive into this in detail in his letter to Timothy, a young pastor that he'd mentored. And he gives this very pointed advice in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says this, starting in verse 9, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. See, Paul's likely watched numerous people. He saw so much potential in ways that God could use them in incredible ways. They just got sidetracked when their priorities shifted to something else when it came to their wealth or their, their possessions or comfort or security. And they all, in the meantime, they forgot the big picture, the mission in hand. But this principle that Paul clings to and hands off to others came from the teaching of his Savior. Jesus tells the disciples a story in this same chapter in Luke. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Yeah. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build, build bigger ones. Then I'll have room for enough, I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, eat, drink, and be merry. In short, you have a rich guy who has done quite well for himself. And he thinks to himself, what am I going to do with all I have? 
I know. I'll use it for myself. I'll just sit back and enjoy life and enjoy my wealth until one day I die. And some of you might even be thinking, well, what's wrong with that? The problem is verse 20. Verse 20 says, But God said to him, You fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? See, it's interesting to look at God's reaction when it comes to this man's worldview. He just he kind of shakes his head in disgust like, You fool. Now, you don't need to be an educated theologian to understand that you do not want God to call you a fool. And so God basically says, really? Really? You're blessed with this much? And instead of using it to impact the lives of those that are around you, you're going to store it for your own personal pleasure? Really? I mean, that's a great plan until the person or the one who could end your life in a moment does? Then what? And then Jesus concludes with this line, verse 21. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. And so, so Jesus doesn't, he doesn't condemn this man for being rich. He doesn't condemn the man for acquiring wealth, but what he does, he, he uses this man as a warning that anyone that prioritizes their wealth over their relationship with God will be seen as a fool. That anyone who uses what they have been blessed with to add to their own comfort rather than just to use the abundance to bless others, well, they've lost their way. And so we go back to Jesus' original words. Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Be aware. Like, have an awareness. Understand the temptation of stuff. Understand the hold that it can have on you. Understand the way it can change what you prioritize. Understand that you can push some things that are important away in, as you pursue the things that are not. Guard yourself against greed of every kind. Guard yourself. Like, like a city that, that protects itself from invading armies. That, that, that all the, that army wants is the destruction of that city. Put up strong walls to guard your heart against all kinds of greed. Like we said last week. This world needs the local church. But not a half-hearted church. A, a church that is all in. A church that is fully committed. But if the members of that church have built walls to protect their comfort, to protect their assets, to protect their stuff, it's just a building then. A building that doesn't even have symbolic value within its community. But imagine a church that is generous to a fault. Imagine a church that does not hoard what they have, but whether it's the resource of time, whether it's the resource of talent, or the resource of money, that they see what they have is on loan from God to use to impact the world around them. Imagine the impact that the church can have in its community where it's planted. If you're going to be all in, whether that's our church or whether that's you, if you're going to be all in this year, you need to be willing to give all. Let's pray. Lord, we've been given so much. We forget that sometimes. Because we live in a country where we all have so much. 
We've been given so much and it's easy to focus on what we don't have. But we need to put the priority and focus on what we do and how we can use either our time, our talent, or our money to impact the people that are around us. God, the easier thing to do is is to cling to the comfort, is to cling to the controllables, the things that we know. There's a scary, scary situation when we're, when we're hanging, uh, hanging and, and, have, and we're about to pull that ripcord of our faith and go all in. And we know that we're about to lose control. We know that, that what's about to happen next is somewhat unpredictable. But when we realize the life that you've carved out for us and that you've destined for us, it just seems a shame that we would want anything less. So God, I pray today that those that are listening, they'd be willing to go all in. And God, I pray for those that maybe don't have a relationship with you right now. I I pray that they would reach out to someone that they, they know that is a Christian and tell them, of the decision that they want to make to just go all in their relationship with you. That they want to give up the life that they had before, that they want to turn away from their sin and they want to be in right standing with you. God, I pray that if they don't have someone around them that they're able to do that, they would reach out to, to myself or Pastor Justin at the church. And God, I pray that as they do, it would be the greatest decision they ever make. God, I pray that we would just, we would be so all in this year. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, we want to thank you for joining us today. If you have made that decision today that, that you've never made before, that you want to follow after Jesus, I, I, I pray that you reach out to us. You can reach out to me specifically, Roy, at myapa.ca, and I will get back to you and would love to be alongside you in that journey. Have a great week and be an answer to prayer for someone this week.